If you were running a marathon, can you move this? Uh, what would you bring along with you? Okay. Water. I was thinking about this, right? You might have a bunch of things. But I'm thinking, you know, it's a marathon. It's a long race. I might get cold. So I'll take myself a jumper. Okay. It's a long race. And so I might get bored. I might want to go on Facebook. So I'm going to take my laptop computer, which is made out of bamboo, legitimately bamboo. So that's I'm going to take that on my marathon. What else would I take? Well, water would be a good idea. I didn't bring any water. But I might take just my flannelette shirt because it's like casual but formal because it has a collar. So I'll take that on my race. Okay. Now, I thought um, as well as like Facebook, I should probably take like my Bible. Well, that's a good thing to take. And I'll, I'll just take, actually, I might just take another book as well. That's a good book. This is a book all about the book of Hebrews. So I'll take that on my race. Okay. What else should I take on my marathon? Shoes. Yeah, I got shoes. Part of clothes. Well, I thought about it and I put some, some stuff in a backpack for myself. And then uh, toothbrush would be a good idea. And I'm going to also take myself a chair to rest on. Okay. And uh, I just also pack myself some clothes. <laughs> okay. So I think I'm ready for my marathon right now. Let's go. Like, that's, that's, that's how to run a marathon, yeah? 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 <laughs> Thank you. Um, you guys would have just let me run the marathon like that, would you? That would have been so cruel. That is not at all how to run a marathon. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about how to actually run a marathon. Father God, I pray that right now, no one would see me, but everyone would see you. God, I pray that every eye would be fixed on you. And I pray that you'd get us ready to run the marathon of the Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, amen. amen. Well, the Christian life is a marathon. That's why I bother with that. Have a look at Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, therefore basically because of everything we've seen so far this week. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all the people we read about yesterday, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Christian life is a race. In fact, it's a long race. You now know that. Because it says run with perseverance, which means patience, just keeping on going. And, uh, and it's a race that has, this is the finish line, ready? Heaven, where you enter and you finally get to rest and finally all the pain stops and all the hurt and all the hard stuff stops and you get to be with Jesus forever. But to get there, we've got a lot of hard work ahead of us. See, we have come to the end of fat, and the week's been amazing. And maybe this week you've seen just how incredible Jesus is, and you're really pumped to live with him as your king. You're really pumped to live with him as your savior, maybe for the first time. Well, we're not at the end of the journey. You know that moment at the start of a race when kind of, you know, you might have seen it, or you might have been in like a cross-country school, and that kind of moment at the start where you're all standing there and you've got kind of this nervous energy, you know, you're all just ready for it, or maybe you don't feel ready for it at all, but, you know, it's kind of that energy there. That's where we are. We're not at the end. Fat is not the end. Fat is the beginning of our race. 
So when you go home, don't let this stop. This is just the beginning, and it's actually time to start running. And I'll tell you what I'm praying will happen when you get home. I'm praying that number one, you'll open up your Bibles. And you'll read it because you want to learn more about Jesus. You know, we've dipped into four talks and four studies and a 13-chapter book of Hebrews. We could have done a whole talk on every single verse. And that's one book out of 66. There's so much to learn about Jesus. It's all God's Word. It's all living and active. And it changes you. So when you get home, I'm praying that you'll get your Bibles out and you'll start reading. Pick a book. Maybe a leader will help you pick one. But if you don't know, read Hebrews. You won't understand everything. That's okay. But understand some of it. Or if you want another book, maybe Matthew. That was a book that I read when I came off fat as a new Christian. Changed my life. And I'm praying that you'll do that then tomorrow as well. And every day for the rest of your life, that you'll just get into the Word. I'm praying that tomorrow you'll open up your fat booklets and look at the notes that you've taken and you'll remind yourself of the things you learned, the things that you decided you wanted to change. I'm praying that you'll get home and you'll enjoy your relationship with God. You'll draw near to Him. You'll talk to Him. You'll thank Him for stuff. You'll ask Him for stuff. You'll tell Him stuff. I'm praying that you'll start to make changes in your life to stop doing the things that you know Jesus doesn't want you to do and to start doing the things that you know He does, to kill the idols and just to put God at the center. I'm praying that you'll get home and you'll just start running for Jesus, not lazy but going for it. Be a new person when you get home. Don't let fat stop here. But you know what? The fat bars will eventually wear off. See, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. The finish line is heaven, which means you're running for the rest of your life. This coming week, you'll be loving it. And that'll be so good. And I'm saying go hard when it's good. But what about in three weeks' time? Or in three months' time? What about five years from now? See, the Christian life is a marathon. And it's hard work. It's hard work to keep saying no to sin. It's hard work to keep doing what's right. It's hard work when your friends give you flack. When your family doesn't want you to be a Christian. It's hard when you're suffering. It's hard when you have doubts. So enjoy the sprint. Go hard while you're keen, but know that there's a long race ahead of you, a hard race. So the question is, is it worth it? That's the next point if you take notes. Is it worth it? Well, first of all, remember what we saw yesterday. The warnings about what happens if you don't run this race. See, if you deliberately keep on sinning, what can you expect? 100% 100% certain this is what you face. Judgment and fire. It's a terrible thing, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is a good reason to run the race. But bigger than that, the prize at the end is worth it. Jesus is worth it. See, what's the minimum I would have to pay you to run a marathon? Who would run a marathon for $1,000? <laughs> Your hand was up before I even said it. It was like, who would run a marathon for a miles bar? And you'd be like, yeah, I've got it. <laughs> you'd run a marathon for free. Well, that's awesome. Who wouldn't run a marathon for free? Me. But uh, who would run a marathon? Yes. What? 
lazy. <laughs> who would run a marathon for $1,000? Yeah, I see some people. Who would take, it would take you a million dollars before you would run it. You would run it for a million dollars. What about a billion? That is, I'm telling you, I calculated it, $24,000 per step. who would run it for a billion dollars? I would. Maybe it's not money. Maybe maybe you've heard, John, and you're like, great, that's the devil. I don't want money. But what about a date with someone from One Direction? (laughs) Sean Sam was like, yes! (laughs) They're all boys, mate. Um, What about... What about, maybe, that's not anything, what about a personal surfing trip with Kelly Slater? <laughs> yeah. I reckon there's, everyone's got something that would motivate them to, to run a marathon if the prize is worth it. Well, remember what we've learned this week. Have you seen it? Jesus is amazing. Do you remember what we saw on the first day? He's the creation maker. He's the universe owner. He's the God shower. He's the sin purifier. He's the living God and he's the all-powerful king. That's my king. That's what I have if I have him. If I have Jesus, I have everything. Jesus is the one who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He's the best friend in suffering. Jesus is the one who can save. He's the sacrifice that bridges that gap that brings us to God, who solves that problem and who washes away your sins so you can be clean. Do you see that Jesus is better? That is the main point of Hebrews. Jesus is better. No matter what it is, Jesus is better. And so if you trade Jesus for anything, it's a bad trade. See, Jesus is better than angels and everything else. Jesus is better than your friends. Jesus is better than parties. Jesus is better than sport. Jesus is better than school. Jesus is better than money. Jesus is better than a boyfriend. Jesus is better than a girlfriend. Whatever it is, Jesus is better. And if you swap Jesus for anything else, It's the spiritual equivalent of swapping a Nintendo Wii for soft drink. (laughs) And he still regrets it. He still regrets it. And man, you would regret it for the rest of eternity if you swapped Jesus for the spiritual equivalent of soft drink, whatever that looks like for you. You have something good if you have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, but you come to Jesus, you have something good. You found it. Don't let it go. Don't make a bad trade. Don't drift away. Are you in danger of drifting? Jesus is better. So, long race ahead. Is it worth it? (laughs) Yeah. Is that even a question? (laughs) Jesus is worth everything. When I became a Christian, this was one of the things that kind of pushed me over the line. See, up until that point, I didn't want to become a Christian because I didn't want to miss out on having fun. And then I thought I was on fat. Wait a minute. 80 years on this earth. Imagine if Christianity was the worst life imaginable, which, by the way, I have found it's not. It's actually far better. 
But imagine it was the worst life imaginable for 80 years. And then you get forever in heaven. Forever in paradise. What wouldn't be worth that? What wouldn't be worth giving up for that seat? Imagine that uh, this rope, or can someone grab that end and just run out the door? Thanks, Rachel. No, no, Rachel's got it. Just go, just go, take, take off. I don't care until it runs out. Oh, it's tangled. That's not good. That is not what was supposed to happen. That is, let's just... When I was in year two, my teacher gave me a piece of string to untangle, and I just failed. She said something to me. I'll never forget. She was like, don't give a boy a job a girl should do. <laughs> I was so hurt by that. And she's just proved me right again. Anyway, just, just kind of hide out of there as far as you can. Okay, now just imagine that this rope goes on forever. Okay, forever. It's like wrapping around the world a few times. That's good. Thanks, Rach. Don't go in the water. Okay. Okay, just like let me hold it up a bit. That's good. Thank you. You can come back in. Okay, imagine that this rope, okay, this rope represents your existence. Okay, it starts here when you're born, but it goes on forever, okay? And this black bit here, that represents your time here on earth. And you know what blows me away? Is some of you, all you think about is this black bit here. And you're like, oh man, if I could just have so much fun for this bit and then work really hard and get a really good job so I have so much money so I'm comfortable for this bit and then I can retire well and have, you probably don't think about that, but anyway, and have that bit well, you know. And you just, oh, I want to have it. You think about, I want to have a girlfriend for this bit. I want to travel. I want to enjoy myself. I want to have fun. I want to have a good job. I want to, and all you think about is this little bit here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that how I respond to Jesus in this little bit here determines where I spend all of this. And so, you know, why would I spend this little bit here trying to make myself as comfortable as possible Enjoying myself as much as I can. I'm going to use my life, spend my life, invest my life, run with my life for this moment when I cross the finish line and I enter heaven forever. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. I'm, going to, I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm just going to be like a runner with his eyes on the finish line. Because when I face him, I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it could end any second, and then comes eternity. And people look at my decisions, and they go, that's crazy, that's stupid, because that decision is going to affect this. And I'm like, no, you're stupid. Because that decision is going to affect that. See, is it worth it? Well, run the race for this bit here and then get Jesus and God and paradise 
for all this, man, I reckon that's worth it. (laughs) I reckon that's worth it. So, how do we run? If you decided, yeah, I want to run that marathon. I want to, I want to turn to follow Jesus. I want to trust in Him as my Savior. And I'm ready to run. Well, if you turn over your page in your booklets, uh, you'll see three kind of points there because the passage gives us three ways. You ready for this? How to run a marathon? Have a look at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you see it there? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. See, as you run your race as a Christian, there are going to be things that are going to make it harder for you than it has to be. Things are going to hold you back. Would you run into a marathon carrying something that you didn't have to? No way. It's hard enough as it is. Why would you do that? Well, what's making it harder for you to run for Jesus? Are you prepared to get rid of it? And look at what he says to get rid of. Everything that hinders. Not just bad stuff. Good stuff as well. See, if you were running a marathon, would you carry an encyclopedia? (laughs) Why would you carry an encyclopedia? Is that a bad thing? Is encyclopedia a bad thing? No. You just wouldn't carry it. It would slow you down. So if you want to run a race, if you want to get across that finish line, just get rid of everything that would make it harder. So many Christians, talking to everyone in this room right now, including myself, including leaders, including resource, everyone. We run the race with this attitude. I'm trying to hold on to as much as I can get from this world and still make it across. That's our attitude. And so we ask this question, am I allowed to do this? Is this okay? But what if we flip that around? What if we ask this question, will this help me run the race? What if we based every decision on that? Will this help me run the race? I'll give you one example. Am I allowed to have a non-Christian boyfriend or a non-Christian girlfriend? Maybe, maybe not. The Bible actually never says But it's really not relevant whether you're allowed. If you're asking this question, will it help me finish the race? Because I'll tell you what, there is no way that will help you. They're a distraction. And so if you want to finish the race, do not date a non-Christian. Not because the Bible doesn't say, not because the Bible says there's a rule, but because you're determined to get there and you don't want anything to hold you back. And I promise you, they will lead you away from Jesus. I think this is the number one thing that I've ever seen lead anyone of any age away from Jesus. And you think it won't happen to you. You think you're different, but you're not. It will happen. I've seen it over and over again. They're running in a different direction. They're running a different race. You can't run a different race and still be close to someone. So either you'll change race or you won't be close to them. But you know what? It's not worth it. See, God wants you to marry a non-Christian. The Bible is clear about that. It does say he must belong to the Lord if you marry someone. So, if you're dating someone and they're not a Christian, or if you're thinking about dating someone and they're not a Christian, they're obviously not the person God wants you to marry. So why would you waste your time with them? But more importantly, if they're not the person God wants you to marry, they're not the best person. God's got 
God's got a pretty good idea of what would be the best person for you. So don't settle for second best. It's not worth it. There's one example. I could give you heaps. There's one. If you want to run the race, throw off everything that's going to hinder you. It's going to hold you back. So there's that question that you need to ask about everything in your life. Will this help me run the race? See, it's nothing wrong with friends, but do they help you follow Jesus? There's nothing wrong with movies, but do they help you follow Jesus? There's nothing wrong with books and magazines, but are the ones that you read helping you to follow Jesus? Computer games, your ambition in life, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your attachments to other things in this world, your hobbies, your sports. Do they help you to follow Jesus? As you, as you do your G-team stuff um, or later, I want you just to maybe just go around and share one thing that you know is in your life that's not helping you follow Jesus that you want to get rid of. But he also says in their verse, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. See, anything good can hold you back, but there's nothing as good at slowing you down on your race than sin. It's a trap. See, it lures you in and it, and it holds on to you and it makes it harder for you to follow Jesus. So it says it easily entangles. It's like a hook. It's hard to get off and it makes you not want to run. So I'll show you what sin does, okay? This is, I've never put together a fishing rod before. I did this this morning. Here's what sin does. It lies to you because it says, this will be good. Doesn't that look good? This will be good. You'll enjoy it. And God's word says, no, there's a hook. It'll hurt you. But when we're not listening to God's word, we believe that lie and we bite. And now we're hooked. We're entangled in it. And it's hard to get out of. It holds us back and it hurts us. See, don't believe the lie. See, sin says this will be good. But God says, no, there's a hook. God is not trying to hold anything back from you. He loves you. He wants what's best. The reason the Bible says don't do things is not because he wants you to not have fun. It's because God sees the hooks better than we do. So don't buy sins lie. Get rid of sin that easily entangles. Are there any sins in your life that are making it hard for you to run for Jesus? Get rid of them. All right. The second key, really quickly, this one, to finishing a marathon, be in your books, is have perseverance, which means endurance, like the Energizer Bunny that just keeps going. You know, patience. Um, and what this means basically is just know that it's going to get hard. And don't be surprised when it gets hard because in every marathon, there's that point where you get to and you're like, I'm just going to give up. But the key to finishing a marathon is to say no. I'm not going to give up. God, please don't help me to give up and just keep going. So have perseverance. The third thing and final thing is to keep your eyes on the prize. Any marathon runner will tell you that this is the, above everything, the biggest key to finishing a marathon. See, if you look at the hill that rises up against you, you'll get discouraged. If you look at your hands as they shake and you realize how weak you are, You'll want to give up. 
But if you just look, maybe we can't see it, but mentally you just look at that finish line and the reason you're running, the goal that you've set, you just keep going. In the Hunger Games, have you seen it? Oh, not as many as I was expecting. Cool. Okay, it's a pretty graphic movie. Anyway, in the Hunger Games, if you've heard about it, there's this character, Katniss, and uh, she has a reason to run. See, she wants to get home to her family, who she looks after. And when she wanted to give up, what she would do is she would think about them. And she'd be like, I've got to keep going. What's our prize? What's our finish line? Have a look at verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There are three ways that we look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who already ran the race. He did it to show you how much he loves you. He did it to save you, and he did it to show you how to run. So fix your eyes on the Jesus who already ran the race. But fix your eyes on Jesus who is running next to you. He promises never to leave you. Talk to him. He's our high priest who sympathizes and saves. And so you know what happens? When there's a problem in your life, you know, if, you, if you're ever driving or running or skiing, I ski down um, like kind of through trees when I sometimes go to Canada and ski down through trees. And there's a secret for not hitting trees. Don't look at them. They're everywhere. But if you look at the trees, what happens is you tend to go towards them. So the secret is, yeah, the trees are everywhere, but look at the gaps, okay? Well, if in your life there are problems and you look at the problems, all you see is a whole lot of problems. What you want to look at is Jesus, the solution. And when you see that, it's kind of like Jesus is so big, it pushes everything into perspective. You see, he's the king of the universe and he's on my side. He's the savior and he's going to take me to heaven. And suddenly your problem fits into perspective. So don't focus on your problems. Fix your eyes on Jesus who is running next to you. That's your reward. But finally, fix your eyes on Jesus who is waiting at the finish line. Our goal is being with Jesus in heaven forever. The Bible says that there'll be no crying. There'll be no pain, no death, just peace and rest and love forever. No matter how bad things get, that's what we have to look forward to. So we just got to get through this black part, and we have that forever. Guys, are you ready to run this race? How are you going to fix your eyes on Jesus, by the way? How are you going to do it? Give you three quick ways. By getting into the Bible every single day. Read it, even just a few verses, it'll fix your eyes on Jesus. Two, get along to youth group and G teams. Oh, it's a bird. I was like, why is someone shushing me? Get along to youth group and G-teams. Don't miss them. We call G-teams, G-teams, stands for growth teams. If you want to grow as a Christian, that's where you've got to be. And thirdly, get along with, like, get in with your, your Christian brothers and sisters here and your leaders and help each other. That's how you keep, and keep reminding yourselves, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Are you ready for this race? The Christian life is a marathon. It's going to be hard, but it's so, so worth it. So run the race this week when you come off fat. 
with new, fresh Christian energy. Run this race in three weeks when it starts to fade. Run this race in three years when it gets hard because it is so worth it. Tomorrow morning, you're on holidays. And the temptation for you, you won't even notice it, but it's just to slip back into the way things always were. You'll wake up tomorrow morning and you'll jump on the computer on Facebook or you'll jump on your phone and you'll just quickly fall back into the same routine like nothing happened. But you don't want that to happen. You want to live differently. And so when you wake up tomorrow, before you jump on the computer, before you get your phone out, before you head to your mate's place or the beach, open up your Bible, even for five minutes, and read it, and it'll fix your eyes on Jesus. And as you, as you pray and as you start to make changes in your life, and as, you, as you're just stoked because you know that, uh, that you're saved, this is what you do. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and run the race with perseverance. The race marked out for us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. This bit here, and then all of our fraternity. Are you ready to run this race? Let's pray that God will help us to do that. Father God, thank you so much that you've saved us to this awesome race where we know that you've run it before, so we can copy your example, where we know that you are running it with, running it with us and helping us every step of the way, and where we know that you're waiting for us at the finish line to take us forever with perfect joy. So God, I pray that you would help us today when we get home, tomorrow, all this week and for the rest of our lives to run, not to be lazy, but to run, to throw off anything that would hold us back, to have perseverance. And God, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus always. How amazing he is. Remind us always of how much better he is than anything we've got. In Jesus' name, amen.